Good morning. And welcome to worship. As you can probably see, this is our wee bit of Irish Sunday. And today I want to share with you the story of a man who was called the Apostle to Ireland, one of Ireland's patron saints, St. Patrick. St. Patrick was actually born as Patricius. He was a Celtic Briton, and he was a Roman citizen because at that time Rome still ruled that outpost. His family were people of faith. But by the age of 16, Patricius decided God wasn't real, and he rejected God. And at that time, when he was 16, in the year of about 403 or so, one day, the Irish Celts sailed to the shores of Britain on a slave raid, and Patricius was kidnapped. And he was taken to Ireland, wild and untamed Ireland, and he was forced into a life of bondage as a shepherd slave. And this was a life of bitter isolation, and it was a life where his companions, his steady companions, were hard labor and nakedness and starvation. But our God, who works in mysterious ways, used this to shape his soul, because there the boy Patricius, who had rejected God, became the boy Patrick, who turned to God. And he prayed night and day for God's grace, and his forgiveness and love, and for rescue. And after six years of this brutal life, one night Patrick heard a voice ringing out in the dark. And it was a man's voice. And it said, you are going home. See, your ship is ready. And the next day, Patrick got up and he started walking. And miraculously, he walked safely some 200 miles to the Irish coast, where he found a ship of Irish sailors willing to take him back to Britain. And he was reunited with his family, and they embraced him, and they cried, and they clung to him, and they begged him to never, ever leave again. Please join us in our call to worship, Shall We Gather at the River?
Good morning. Welcome to Bethesda Lutheran Church uh, again for me uh, um, on this fourth Sunday of Lent. I'm glad to see you all with us this morning. Nobody slept in, it looks like, this morning. Uh, I know it's always tough with the time changes, but uh, you guys came through it well, so I'm glad to see you all here this morning. Uh, as usual, a number of announcements. Um, I think perhaps the most important one to note, um, for those that knew Ivan Peterson, and we were sad to hear this week that Ivan passed away. Um, Sounds like the family won't have any sort of service until late, uh, until a little while yet. Um, but uh, we certainly will keep Ivan and his family in our prayers at this time. Um, also, of course, you'll notice we're still go, uh, continuing on with our Lenten midweek series. So if you haven't been to one yet, um, we'll have another one this week. Pastor Kari Foss from uh, Bethesda, or we're Bethesda, from Bethlehem, just up the road. Uh, will be here this Wednesday, uh, and then next week I believe Pastor Jordan will be here for the final um, midweek Lenten service. Uh, I will be at first this week in Aiken, and then I will be at um, one of Pastor Sandy's churches, I think St. John or something like that. So, um, But otherwise, I think it's going well. We're working our way through the senses, so if you've uh, been enjoying that, I, I'm sorry guys, I didn't have candy this last week. Maybe I can let Pastor Kari know and she can bring some, uh, some other candy for you guys. <laughs> since that seems to be, be a real popular uh, option for midweek Lent. But we always have lots of good food, so that's always a, uh, that's always a plus, too, for coming for the meal. Uh, you also see notes in there about uh, we're going to start collecting donations for the Isle High School food shelf. So uh, there is a box, I believe, out, out there in the front underneath the, the table on the left as you enter. And obviously, there's lots of different things you can bring at any time, but one way we thought to help kind of, so you don't need to keep a list of like 20 items in your head, we would kind of break them up uh, to focus on certain items for different months. So you're welcome to bring any of the items at any time, but this might be easier to, to remember when you're at the grocery store, so uh, check that out. Um, and then there's also a note in there about some tax savings stuff and some other odds and ends as usual, choir practice. Fourth, all right. Uh, yeah, you ready? Well, she's been enjoying, I think, her uh, uh, the extra time off. Yeah, but um, uh, also uh, Elsa and Chuck Carlson will be selling Easter lilies, uh, or I guess signing up to buy them uh, after service. So just uh, look for uh, uh, the Carlsons out there in uh, out there in the fellowship hall after service. Are there any other announcements people have at this time? Okay, so we pick up our story of St. Patrick back home in Britain, where he's reunited with his family, he's safe at home, he's happy in God, but for some reason he's restless, and this restlessness grows until one night he has a dream, and in it he sees a man that he knew in Ireland come towards him holding a paper, and Patrick takes it in the dream and reads it, and it says, the voice of Ireland and suddenly in his dream, he hears the Irish people cry out, please come back and walk among us. And he woke up knowing that God had chosen him to bring the good news to Ireland. And he spends years studying 
until one day he returns to Ireland, this time as a priest and a bishop, but most importantly, as a missionary. And it's a dangerous missionary's life still because Ireland is still wild and untamed. He not only faces physical danger and deprivation, he faces the opposition of tight-knit clans, of ancient religions like the Druids themselves, and of the warrior children of wild chieftains. It's said that St. Patrick even had a face-to-face confrontation with the high king at Terra. But through it all, God perseveres, and he keeps extending his love for the Irish through St. Patrick, until one day Patrick realizes he's fallen in love with the Irish people. And he doesn't just adopt them, he identifies completely with the Irish people. He ceases to be a Celtic Briton, he ceases to be a citizen of Rome, he has perhaps become the truest Irishman that ever lived. And the Irish people, God's people, who had been the source of Patrick's greatest tragedy and heartbreak and hardship, through God's grace, they now become a source of his greatest joy. Please help us sing our next song, Blessed Be Your Name. Thank you. 
able. Can I use your stand? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of heaven and earth, you come in close and make us yours. Equip us by your Spirit to confess our sin, embrace your forgiveness, and seek the way you set before us in your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. With honesty of heart, let us confess our sin. Merciful God, forgive us. Our will is handcuffed to sin, and we cannot break free. We have spoken when we should have kept quiet. We were silent when we should have said something. We acted when we knew better. We were still when we know we should have moved. For the wrong we have done, for the good we have failed to do, have mercy on us, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. People of God, look to the Son, given to heal you and set you free, because God loved the world so much. Take hold of life, eternal life. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God, rich in mercy, by the humiliation of your Son, you lifted up this fallen world and rescued us from the hopelessness of death. Lead us into your light, that all our deeds may reflect your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And so, Patrick spends the rest of his life in ministry to the Irish. He loves them, he baptizes them, and he teaches them. Um, In Ireland, three has always been a mystical number. And they worshipped some ancient gods that had three faces. So it's possible St. Patrick used that to explain the Trinity to them. Of course, Irish oral tradition tells us that St. Patrick used the shamrock to explain the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, he also taught the Irish that God loved them, the wild Irish, just as they are, and that the love God extended to them would endure forever. God used St. Patrick to convert the Irish and to bring them to a love and a belief in himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the God of three persons, but the one true God Almighty. Our praise team anthem today is Praise the Father, Praise the Son.
The first reading today is from Numbers 21, 4 through 9. From Mount Hor, the Israelites set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. By the people become, but the people become impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there was no food, no water, And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to God to take away the serpent from us. 
So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who has bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, the person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. The word of the Lord. The psalm is Psalm 107, 1 through 3, 17 through 22. And we'll read it responsibly. You read the bold print. Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good, for God's mercy endures forever. Gathering them in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They loathed all manner of food and drove near to death's door. And in all trouble they cried to the Lord, and you delivered them from their distress. You sent forth your word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to you, Lord, for your steadfast love and your wonderful works for all people. Let, the, uh, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and Tell of your deeds with shouts of joy. The second reading is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air. The spirit is this now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, Following the desires of flesh and senses, we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive again with Christ. By grace we have been saved and raised, up, uh, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. We are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of the Lord. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Oh Lord. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned. 
But those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come into the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do not who do, but those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As a child, in addition to dinosaurs and baseball, one of my favorite subjects was space. The stars and science fiction, things like that. Whether it was the actual science of astronomy or whether it was, you know, the family sitting around uh, watching Star Trek or Star Wars or anything like that, I was just fascinated by this idea, you know, this, of, of all the possibilities that are out there in this grand universe that we have. You know, I barely had a grasp on the real world, and I don't know if I have any, you know, I don't know if I still do, but, but certainly back then, it was like, yeah, okay, I don't even really understand the real world, but I'm already, my head is off in other planets and other civilizations across the cosmos. And although college physics and college uh, calculus sort of killed whatever last dreams I might have had of being an astronomer, I do still enjoy looking up to the night sky. It's one of my favorite things, actually, um, uh, since moving here to Malmo. Though, obviously, since I've been here, you know, I came in around November. I haven't exactly been laying out in the field looking at the night sky. Um, but certainly, I'm on my little walk back to the parks in the Giant Joy looking at the night sky. And it's nice and dark here, right? There's not that same sort of light pollution that you'd have in a bigger city. One of the advantages of living in a small town. But as much as an astronomer fights with light pollution, right, that's why they send those uh, space telescopes up beyond our atmosphere so they can get a clearer picture of that and, of course, just the atmosphere getting in the way. You know, that's not the same as being a lover of the darkness if we're listening to our gospel lesson this morning. In fact, you know, we understand that, that Jesus here and John uh, reporting the words of Jesus, they're using metaphors of light and darkness. John seems to have a particular fondness for Jesus's metaphors in this regard. And actually, we know that scientists and teachers, and even, yes, I think our science fiction writers, when they are at their best, they are, in fact, servants of light, even if they do seek the darkness to do their work. You know, teachers and scientists and, and writers and people of all kinds, right, they seek after the truth. When they're at their best, they seek after the truth. And in many ways, this is what Jesus is talking about. You know, the light comes and it shows the truth of our world, all the good, all the bad, and you can't hide from the truth. Right? When science fiction writers, even when they're using fantastical scenarios, when they're imagining other planets, when they're, you know, speeding off at light speed, when they're at their best, it's more than just an action movie with laser guns. You know, the science fiction writers are often very clever. They help us think about the here and the now, even when it's a setting that's, you know, light years away. They help us reflect on what it means to be human in our society and deal with some of these big issues. They just know that, that we as people, sometimes 
if we're completely blunt about an issue, we get wrapped up in, in the same old arguments. We get wrapped up in, in prejudices and in, in all these other things that we collect over our lifetime. So sometimes we need to have this fantastical scenario to help us think about things in a new way. You know, our, our gospel this morning, it has one of the most famous passages of, you know, in all the Bible, right up there with Psalm 23. It's, you know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. I wouldn't be surprised if many of you had to memorize that or chose to memorize that as good confirmation students or at some other point, or at least you've seen it on a sign at a baseball game at the very least. You know, it's, it's, it really is a lovely verse, and, and it's certainly, you know, it, it's this great synopsis as well of the Christian faith. But we do often, I think, miss sort of the context in which it sits a little bit. We miss these passages that talk about condemnation and judgment and light and darkness, And we miss also the story of Nicodemus a little bit. Even in our reading this morning, we cut off the whole passage of Nicodemus. Though we may remember a little bit about Nicodemus. Nicodemus being one of the leaders, one of the Pharisees, uh, one of the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus calls him a teacher of Israel. This person that's been charged to help guide the faith of of many of those um, in his community. And the story of Nicodemus, what's so interesting is, is he's, you know, while a lot of the other Pharisees are very much against Jesus, Nicodemus seems to have some sympathy, or at least he's intrigued about Jesus. But he's still pretty nervous. Maybe he knows what some of his other fellow Pharisees have been talking about Jesus. And so he sneaks to meet Jesus, right? He goes out at night under the cover of darkness, and I guess he kind of very quietly maybe knocks on the door, or I don't know, maybe kind of, you know, Mission Impossible is down from the ceiling. I don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible, but... uh, he sneaks his way in and he has this conversation with Jesus. And so when he hears these metaphors from Jesus about light and darkness, it probably hits a little, little close to home. Maybe Nicodemus is thinking that, that Jesus is condemning him. But we never really know. We don't, we don't really hear from Nicodemus after Jesus speaks those lines. The story just moves on. Um, but I don't think Jesus thinks of Nicodemus as this evil person. He certainly gives him a hard time for being a little slow on the uptake, but Jesus is doing that all the time with the disciples, right? He's in good company uh, in that respect. But I think what he is talking about is this this strange nature of our society, the way that it's a little bit topsy-turvy, that just because something is in the real light doesn't mean it's in the metaphorical light. That That here is Nicodemus, in what is, you know, a relatively pure, seemingly pure desire to seek out Jesus, despite possible personal risk to himself, to ask Jesus questions. And maybe he doesn't really understand everything, but it's hard to judge him for that. And yet, all those during the, the hours of daytime, those that put themselves up on pedestals, those that are in positions of power, positions of authority, those that are supposed to be teaching the people of Israel and the ways of God, these people are in the, in the real light, but are they in the real light? <laughs> are they in the light of God? Are, they, are all their deeds, are all their motivations, are those brought into the light? Is the, the goodness and the love of God truly being brought into the light of day? You know, it's, it's a strange thing in our society. Certainly it was in Jesus' time that you know, those that sin greatly get all the press coverage, while those working to make our world a better place 
toil along in relative obscurity. And I guess that really hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. You know, we haven't exactly made a lot of progress on that front. Uh, we, we often see those who are working for very selfish reasons, they're the ones that get all the attention and all the, not just the teachers and the professors and the scientists, but all of us that are out there working relatively simple, good, ordinary lives, all those good deeds don't exactly get the same attention. Not to say that we're perfect either, but you know we can see what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about all these things that, all these ways in which we as, as a people have earned this condemnation from God. And yet we can't forget John 3.16 either as we, as we get ourselves talking about the context. Because just as much as our world may have sin, our world may have evil, as much as our world is given to ways of manipulation, given to ways where people are breeding chaos and selfishness, ways that people are trying to interfere with progress and seeing enemies and fears and all these things that, that make our society such a tense and stressful place to live in that just wears you out day after day. Still, into this world, in this world, God sees a place that he loves. That there is this world that God has created, that God cares for us. That God sees a world worthy of condemnation in many, many ways, and yet still sends his Son into that world to bring God's love, to bring forgiveness, to bring eternal life. We as Christians are called to shine a light, even as we sometimes do works of darkness rather than light. God would like us to be perfect. God would like us not to sin. God would like us to always fight against the sin of others. But God also knows our weaknesses. But at the very least, God knows we can shine a light. When we, are, when we get all of our... <laughs> When we get our act together, when we come together in communities, when we, when we hold each other accountable, this is when we can hopefully shine a little light to be truthful. Truthful about ourselves, truthful about, about the, the problems out there in our world. To remain humble, but still acknowledge the ways in which we and others hurt other people. We can still be servants of the light, even when we are not perfect ourselves. You know, as peaceful as it can be in the summertime, in the summertime, not in, in November or December or even now in February, to sit out and look at the night sky, uh, to, to look and wonder about all the worlds that are out there. You know, the one view you miss, though, is a view of our own world the way that the sun hits our world. We, we don't quite have that perspective. Only a few human beings have been lucky enough to have that perspective in their, in their lives. But of course we do have, uh, our scientists have been busy and they have sent out space probes of all kinds that have taken a look. Perhaps one of the most famous photos of, of our planet, uh, though not the most detailed, is the famous pale blue dot photo. Perhaps you've, you've heard of that or you remember seeing it. Um, at one time or another. It was taken back in 1990, so I understand if you haven't heard of it, at least not in some time. And it was taken from the Voyager 1 space uh, probe, if you remember hearing about that. It's still out there, sailing away, off, in, off into the cosmos. It's still, it's, you know, nuclear power is still working. We still get signals. It still does a little bit of work um, long after they thought it would still be good for. But back in 1990, when it was only 
about 3.7 million miles from Earth at that time, um, NASA, on, at the request of uh, Carl Sagan, which many of us remember, uh, a very popular astronomer in his time and promoter of science, he was the one that proposed that the cameras be turned back and take a photo of our planet. Now, because it was 3.7 million miles, it wasn't a real detailed photo. <laughs> it was a little pixel of light, less than a pixel, actually, just this tiny blue dot in an otherwise black expanse. But Carl Sagan wanted that photo to be taken not because of some scientific discovery that could be made from it, but because of the perspective it would help us have on our place in the universe. Sagan said this after seeing the photo. We succeeded in taking that picture, and if you look at it, you see a dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever lived, lived out their lives. The aggregate of all of our joys and sufferings, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines. Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization. Every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species, lived there on a moat of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in, the, in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors, so that in glory and in, and in triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of the dot on scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner of the dot. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It is up to us. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling, and I might add, a character-building experience. To my mind, there is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly and compassionately with one another and to preserve and cherish that pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. God gave us an amazing world. It may from a distance seem tiny and insignificant, but for us, it matters a great deal. And we as human beings might find this not always an easy world. We might even make it harder on ourselves over and over again. But God indeed gave us a world teeming with life, and filled with light. So, unless we are trying to help another find that light, why should we waste any, other, waste any moment of it living in the dark? Amen.
I found it kind of funny that some of our scriptures today talk about serpents. I was going to say that, yeah. I was going to be like, I should have preached on the serpent. In, in case you don't know, there are no snakes in Ireland. And why is that? The Irish will tell you that St. Patrick drove them out of Ireland. You can take that or leave it. Um, but the Irish are a Christian land. And this warrior race, because of the brilliance of St. Patrick's teachings and the pureness of her love, sources... Some sources say that that warrior race became the only land in all of history to accept Christianity without bloodshed. Please join us in our sermon hymn, Forever. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. stretched arm. His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the last. Renewed in the promises of baptism, let us pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. 
we pray for the church. Direct and guide us in following your will. Grant us clarity in the midst of confusion and give us courage in the face of challenge. Make us passionate to share the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world you so deeply love, for wilderness places, for deserts and mountains, fruit trees and gardens, for places devastated by flooding or drought, by wind, fire, or earthquake. Restore damaged habitats and protect fragile environments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations. Grant wisdom to our leaders. Teach us to resolve conflicts without violence. Strengthen those who protect human rights, civil rights, and civil liberties. Bring an end to warfare, famine, and hunger. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in need. For those who lack meaningful employment or stable housing. For those who live with mental illness. For those who have chronic pain. And for all who are grieving, sick, or injured. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for this assembly, for those preparing for baptism, for parish nurses and all who provide health care in our community, for those who make quilts and gather supplies for global relief ministries, for ministries of prayer and visitation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Today, O oh God, we lift up in prayer Ivan Peterson and his family as they mourn his passing. Be with all, God, who suffer loss in their lives. Bring them your comfort and your peace. And now, O God, we lift up all those other prayers that are on our hearts and in our minds. And we lift them to you now, either out loud or in silence. With thanksgiving. We remember those who have died in faith, especially those we have known and loved. Bring us with them to the fulfillment of your promise of life eternal with you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Trusting in your covenant of mercy, O God, we lift our prayers to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. Please share a sign of that peace with one another. Offering him, I'm told, is the, was the favorite hymn of the late Billy Graham. Please join us in Jesus, take all of me just as I am.
God, receive the sacrifice of our praise and thanksgiving and the offering of our lives, that following in the way of the cross, we may know the joy of the resurrection through Jesus our Lord. Amen. May God, who has called us forth from the dust of the earth and claimed us as children of the light, strengthen you on your journey into life renewed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon, look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And so to close our little tutorial, in fact, you all should be speaking fluent Gaelic by the time you leave here. Um, St. Patrick, who in a dream absorbed the voice of the Irish, was probably the first person to give the voice of the Irish to the world. One of his most famous writings that he left us is called St. Patrick's Lorica, and that means his armor. And it's a song that should always be our prayer. Part of this song goes, Christ to shield me today, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the hearts of everyone who thinks of me, speaks of me, sees me, or hears me. Today, friends, praise team and pastor wish you every blessing that God can give. We hope you have a happy St. Patrick's Day on Saturday. And we're serving coffee, so please come and join us. And join us now in our last hymn as you go on your way. Is it Irish coffee? No. We have some Irish, Irish cream. We have some yeah, non-alcoholic Irish, non Irish cream to put in it. <laughs> Sorry about the non-alcoholic part. As you go on your way, may God go with you.